Hi guys and welcome to the Game Week 12 FPL Playbook by Playmaker. My name is Sam and I'm joined by, by Neil Murray. Uh, it's been a long international break but we're really glad to be back in front of our cameras this week record ahead of Game Week 12 finally. It has felt like a long, long time and the Game Week feels like it wrapped up about a year ago. But of course, we've got plenty of stuff to discuss ahead of Game Week 12, including all of our hot topics, our watch list picks for this weekend, uh, all the players that we're concerned about as well, of course. And we'll be looking at our team plans and uh, trying to figure out what moves Neil and I are going to be making to try and uh, maintain our good ranks at the moment. We've actually had some quite good starts between us, so uh, hopefully we can maintain that. Um, and it would be remiss of me, as always, uh, if I didn't mention if you're enjoying the series so far or if even if you're new to the channel and you want to make sure you don't miss out on our content in the future, please leave a like or subscribe to the channel and it really helps us grow. It helps uh, Playmaker grow as well. Um, so it would mean a lot to both myself and Neil. But whilst we're on the topic, uh, Neil, how are you and how was your game week? Yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, I scored 69 points up to 12.9k. Um, a lot of good defensive work from my side this week. Mm. So had Ramsdale with a 7, James with a 7, Cancelo 14, Trent 12. Um, my ultra differential in Trossard, another double digit return from him with 10. Salah captain obviously with just a 5 times 2. Um, blanks up front again, Tony Kane and Antonio. Uh, and I had Livramento, Diaz, and Foster on the bench. So I also 24 points on the bench. I think a lot of people were in similar positions. Could have been much worse for me, though. I, I was strongly considering buying Chilwell, mm. um, for Diaz, and I would have benched Cancelo if I'd done that. So, yeah, I actually I got away with one, uh, and bought in Jota for Mount instead, but. Didn't deliver yet, but let's see if he Yeah, I, I remember you were saying that that was the move you were probably going to go for when we were yeah. on the playbook last time round. Um, I'm very glad you didn't do that in the end. Uh, I don't think... Yeah, it was the hat-trick of assists from Cancelo in Champions League, actually, that that made me that made me stop. Also, he's had the most shots other than Stella in the last uh, four mm. weeks, I think it is. Um, so, yeah, I, I just couldn't bring myself to bench Cancelo and luckily it worked. Yeah, out. it's really rare that a player does something in midweek or in a, like a non-Premier League match, makes you keep them and then they actually also repeat that feat in the Premier League. Yeah, so it never happened. Yeah. So I'm so glad that Cancelo was able to convince you to keep him and then also reward you for doing so. Very, very rare. Trossard as well, fantastic differential. I think I mentioned him on the um, watch list episode earlier last week. Um, and I, th I think you've got some interesting opinions on, on Trossard moving forward. So we'll uh, be teasing that for later on in the episode. So keep an eye out for that. Um, meanwhile, I also had plenty of points on my bench, not quite as many as you. Um, I think I accumulated 19 points so if I was bench boosting I would have probably been fairly happy with it but uh it was never really never really on the cards I don't think I, I don't think it was for you either going into the week no no definitely not um so no uh outcome bias here we weren't thinking about doing it and we don't regret it either too much um I very similar score to you 72 puts me up inside the top 10k for the first time this season so very happy with that 
all of my defenders, including the one I benched, uh, returned. So I'm a bit gutted I left Can uh, uh, Diaz's points on the bench. But uh, Trent, James, Cancelo and Livramento as well all did very well. Uh, Rafinha was my version of Trossard for you for the second week in a row. So very happy with Rafinha's points. Salah captain, again, flattered to deceive a little bit uh, with just the assist. And then the other four... Um, blanks from the Brentford boys and Vardy and Antonio as well. So uh, I think we're going to be talking about all four of those later on in the show. So if, like most people, um, own them, if you own them as well, um, keep an eye out for that. We'll be uh, going through what our thoughts moving forward on those guys are. Um, but like I mentioned, we will be going and reviewing the Game Week 11 results very, very quickly um, because it was so long ago. I don't think we need to dive into all the games maybe we just discuss a couple of our key take takeaways and a, a couple of our key things we wanted to bring up relevant to the show that we'll be talking about today uh, I think first and foremost like I just mentioned Brentford losing 2-1 to Norwich ruined quite a lot of people's weekends early on uh, a lot of people like myself and, and like you hold both Tony and Mbwemo, um, do you offer any words of encouragement? Their um, XG for the second week running was far, far superior to their opponent. And uh, 2.79 um, suggests they were extremely unlucky. Surely, surely we should be feeling a little bit unfortunate. Yeah, I watched this game. I think it was my birthday on that day, actually. It's my birthday watching Brentford Norwich. Um but <laughs> uh, I don't know. There was I also celebrated when um, Bremer scored from the Tony flick yeah. as well, and it was clearly clearly offside. Um, so I got a little ahead ahead of myself. I mean, that was the only real, I think, encouragement for him for him and Tony owners. I think Tony fluffed a couple of shots when he should have done better. Um, the XG as well. I I read that. I mean, and you could see in the game, it was it was largely from two chances that Christian Norgard had, um, rather than in Bueno and Tony. Um, so no, I like I watched the game, and I would say I'm a concerned in Bueno and Tony owner. Mm. Um, to to put it mildly, fair enough. Well, we um, you very subtly put it in there. Um, but uh, I mentioned it obviously already. But the viewers haven't had a chance to say happy birthday to you for last weekend. Uh, so massive happy birthday to you, Neil. And uh, if you also would like to send him your best wishes, please leave a comment saying happy birthday. I'm sure he'd appreciate it. You'll you'll read it, won't you, Neil? You'll 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 have uh, a read. That would be yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. We'll get we'll get a few people saying happy birthday to you at least. I'm sure. Um, okay, well, um, obviously Tony and Embuemo didn't treat you, and I, I suppose the other main topic that we wanted to bring up was Chelsea, um, three point zero one xg against Burnley, but came away with the one all draw. Burnley could have also won it at the end as well, had a golden chance right yeah. at the end yeah. um, to snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. Um, you wouldn't have been happy if you were a Chilwell uh, new owner. Luckily, you avoided that. But uh, what uh, yeah. what did you make of this game, and uh, what did you make of Chelsea in this one? Um, uh, to be honest, every highlight I saw involved Reese James. Yeah, I watched it on Match of the Day. Yeah, and every single attack involved Reese James, and then not even on the highlight package that they showed during the game. But when they did the post game analysis, mm -hmm. they also showed some clips that they hadn't showed in the game, and every single one of those involved Reese James as well. Um, 
So <laughs> as a as a James owner, I was uh, I was very encouraged. I mean, I think it was quite unlucky he didn't come away with another monster. Ball. Yeah. Um, and I think Ochoa had the opportunity where uh, I don't remember who it was, but they could have pl- played it. I think it, it was Barkley. I think could have just uh, laid it off to him, and he was free. Mm. So he probably he was in a he did. In theory, he he all but had a big chance in that game as well. So, but he definitely looked quieter than James. Um, I guess the only thing is, is if you don't own if you don't own two Chelsea defenders, then actually losing a clean sheet is. I, I think the EO on Chelsea defence is over a hundred percent. So, if you just own James, you actually profited from them losing. The clean yeah, sheet. my rank went up when enough. that happened. I, wa- yeah. I watched it going yeah. live on so, Playmaker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think that there's there is something to be aware of there when you're thinking about how many Chelsea defenders do I want in my team, and it's certainly kind of also affecting the way I'm thinking about moving forward, which is quite different to what I was thinking, say, on the last show or last week. So I'll get into that later. Mm-hmm. But yeah, on, honestly, biggest takeaway for me was just how, how phenomenal Reese James looked. Again. Yeah, absolutely. And he's uh, getting the crosses in ready for Lukaku to get back to full fitness. So I think returns are also on the way when Lukaku comes back in too. Very promising signs. Um, but... I think now, because it's been so long since that game week, I think we can leave it there. Um, Those are the two key takeaways I think we both wanted to mention. Um, And we'll move on to the transfers of the game week. And this week, the winner was Reese Pops. So congratulations to Reese Pops. He made 18 points on his transfers, uh, took the minus four hit, which uh, is incorporated into that as well. Um, And he brought in uh, Rico Henry, who, despite conceding two to Norwich, picked up a 10-point haul. Um, Reese James, as we've been mentioning, and uh, my favourite, Rafinha, as well. So three very wise transfers as he took out three blankers in Pereira, uh, Saar and Markel as well so uh, very sensible transfers all round I don't think even going into the game week there would have been any hesitation that th- that would make you a fair few points um, but really glad that it did pay off um, so congratulations to Reese. The next thing I wanted to bring up this week was uh, our Brucey bonus trophy. Uh, Obviously, as any Playmaker user knows, we have a selection of trophies that all users are able to compete for and win based on their FPL performance every single week. This week, we had a record week, not just for the Brucey bonus trophy, but for any trophy. This trophy was won by 6,142 Playmaker users, which is more than any other trophy has ever been won on our app so far. So congratulations if you are one of them. And also thank you, I guess, to Cancelo and probably also to Trent as well. I think probably a mixture of users uh, claimed the trophy through one of those two. Um, For anyone who can't see the trophy on screen now, uh, the Brucey bonus trophy is awarded to... Uh, you if you've got a defender who was your highest point scorer on on the pitch that week so Cancelo and Trent obviously did the damage for a lot of uh, users there Um, the trophy as well before I move on was recommended I think it was by FPL Bruce uh, who's a very active member in the community so uh, thanks again for recommending that trophy it's a really good one and uh, enjoy your uh, record haul of trophy winners on to the first main topic of the show, which is your watch list first this week, Neil. Um, so would you like to take us away uh, for any podcast listeners as well, if you want to just uh, run through the top, the, the five that you've picked? 
Yeah. Um, so in priority order right now, I have Sun, Bowden, Gallagher, Smithrow, and Chilwell. Um, yeah, so a lot of midfielders. Yeah, lots of midfielders. Um, I definitely have, yeah, I have midfielders on my mind. No strikers there either, mm-hmm. um, unsurprisingly. Yeah. So I think that says a lot about where my mind is at right now. And I have some top, even though I, I do own Kane. Um, like I said before, I don't know if I've you know, picked the right one or not, but what I also don't know is actually whether I want both of them or not. Okay. Um, so that's also open in my mind right now. The one thing I will say is even though Sun is top of my list, it's not, it's not a move I will make this week. Um, it is a move that I would still consider over the next kind of three, four games um, and will keep coming back to, I think. So that's the reason why he's number one for me. Um, but I would say if I get him, it most likely to be maybe a little bit different and try and do a double up um, rather than to get rid of Kane is where my head is at currently. But let's see how the next next game unfolds, at least. Um, Foden... Still up there. I still think he's the best uh, attacking city asset. So he's almost there by, you know, default of being that, yeah. to be honest. And he's just someone that I continually kind of watch out for. Gallagher, my my love in the first <laughs> kind of six, eight game weeks of the season. You know, I, I spent so much time bigging up Gallagher, eventually bought him. And then sold him on my wild card, and now he's the second highest scoring midfielder in the yeah, game. Yeah, teasing you. Um, so yeah, I'm a little bitter. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't really, I don't really feel happy about my early shout out on him. I'm feeling quite bitter. Um, but of course, I'm now, I'm now ready to potentially swallow my pride and and go back there potentially. And obviously, Smith Rose there as well. Similar, similar price or same price, um, and not much between them. I. I Fancy Gallagher a little more than than Smith Rowe. Um, I I do think he has. Well, you can also see on the XG, four point three five versus one point seven five. I do think he does have a greater goal threat despite being on the same number of goals. And I think Smith Rowe actually, if I if I remember rightly, is his shots inside the box or his touches inside the box are actually quite lower compared to Gallagher. So Gallagher is ahead. A Smith Rowe for me. And then I've got Chilwell in fifth. Um, he was higher up. Um, but I'm having second thoughts on on double Chelsea defence and maybe maybe uh, reconsidering double City defence after all. So Chilwell was moved down for now. Um, and I'll, I'll get to my moves at the end of the episode. But I think by what I've said, you can probably get a good idea mm-hmm of what I'm going to do this week. Well, I think most uh, viewers could probably Maybe. guess uh, the midfielders are hot on, on the menu at the moment for you. Yes, but, well, I won't, I won't do it <laughs> yet. But, uh, but, but, but yeah, I, I, yeah let, let, I, I'll say later yeah. on. Um, but, yeah, I I do have a move okay. or not in mind this Interesting. Week. Okay, so I think uh, now's a really good opportunity to talk about the Tottenham assets now that we have finally arrived at game week 12 and we've arrived at their fixture swing and as you can see on screen now the next three fixture uh, next four fixtures sorry for Spurs really couldn't be any better 
Um, and obviously they've got Conte in as well. So we can only presume that he's starting to work his magic there. And the longer he gets on the training ground with with these players, the more he'll be able to uh, really, uh, really put together a side built in his image. And uh, it's no surprise, really, that Son's at the top of your watch list. Uh, Son and Kane are both on my watch list. So when we get to my watch list, we can probably skip over that a bit. But let's let's dive into Son versus Kane at the moment and uh, try and figure out where our priorities should lie. So you're a Kane owner right now. And obviously, as you've mentioned, Son is top of your watch list, although you wouldn't necessarily do it instead of Kane. Um, but if if you were to pick one at the moment, uh, which one would you prefer building an argument for? Um, Kane. Still. Okay. What um, uh, What are the benefits behind yeah. Kane then? What What do you think? Uh, like sell sell me Kane over Son. <laughs> yeah. Well, how meta do I have to go as well? Right? <laughs> because uh, like a a, a large reason why I have Kane in my team is so I can move to Ronaldo later on, right? Yeah. Um, so there are there are meta factors involved as well like team structure yes. which is the whole reason why i replaced lukaku with kane I, I mean i've had kane in my team for three weeks um you know blanked every single week um so i would definitely say that there is such a thing as moving too early obviously conte wasn't in charge when i when i moved for kane originally um but you know when everyone is talking about kane right now trying to rip up their teams to get kane or son or you know, uh, I would actually say this is this is definitely an op- uh, this is definitely an occasion where moving early didn't. You know, even if Kane looks to be a great pick now, I I, time, I didn't yeah. get anything from it from from having him in my team for three weeks. Um, but at the same time, I'm not letting that affect or like cloud my judgment. Now Conte has come in, and now these fixtures have opened up as to who I think the better option is. And despite me t- immediately talking about team structure. Um, and being able to move to Ronaldo easily, like I actually do believe Kane is the better option. Um, I also like it from an ownership perspective, to be to be completely honest as yeah. well. So that another factor. Um, but I think the noises are that that he will be playing as a striker, um, which is always a bonus for Kane because he doesn't or hasn't been doing that. Uh, as much and I think his positioning has has been disappointing for a lot of a lot of uh, FPL managers uh, in recent times um, but I, I, I think that that will change under Conte I think he is going to be in the box I think he is going to score goals um, and ultimately like uh, yeah I, I, I just believe he's going to score more points than some um, and, and I think we're caught up um, in a kind of negative uh, space around Kane because he hasn't looked quite at his best. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I think it's the way Tottenham have been playing, to be I honest. I, I actually, I, I think it's the way that Tottenham have been playing and it's not just Kane's fault. And everyone is thinking it's Kane's fault. But I believe that the way Tottenham have been playing has not been suited to Kane at all. Um, and that has been the core reason why I haven't been scoring goals mm-hmm. for them. Um, and so if that changes under Conte, then I don't think Kane became a bad player overnight. And I think he's going to start scoring goals. Yeah. I think when it comes to Kane, I, I have I get a, quite angry um, at like the media hype, like uh, hyping up or like sort of uh, portraying a player as 
downing tools and doing really poorly. And I, I've, yeah. as you know, Neil, I've worked in the media for a fair few years in my career already. And I know how it works. I know how these things go. And once the media have a narrative to play, they will they will throw yeah. it at every angle they can until the population really start believing it. And I think whilst Kane hasn't looked amazing this year, no one would say he has, to say that he's just down tools and to say that it's his fault that he's not had the sort of output we expect from him, it, it, it's oversimplifying it at the least. And anyone who watches Spurs at the moment will see that the supply line has been cut from him. And so he's dropping deeper and deeper to try and get involved in the match. And now Conte's in, as you said very correctly, Conte has been quoted in the past as saying he sees Kane as an out-and-out centre-forward. He's going to have him in the box and it's our job as a team to get the ball to him in shooting areas. In the first match against Everton, Obviously, no shots on target for Tottenham. So, immediate thoughts are it's failed. Like, he hasn't done it yet. But it's one game, right? They will figure out a system to get Kane in those areas and the ball at his feet at the right time, at the opportune moments. And yeah. as we saw midweek, um, or Friday last week even, Kane scored a hat-trick for England. Okay, fine. It was against Albania. So, let's not all get carried away here. But... It's not Kane hasn't just down tools. He's not a terrible striker all of a sudden. He's still a world class elite finisher. Get him the ball in the right areas, and he will do what he did against Albania, against San Marino, yeah. against anyone. It it doesn't matter the quality yeah. of opposition if you've got a ball in front of a goal and he's the one to hit it. It will it will go in exactly. the same amount of times. So yeah. Well, he was in the right areas against Albania. I mean, he was in the pot exactly. for a couple of them. And on, and on the other, he well, he didn't have his back to goal when he was getting the ball right. Like yeah. So I, I think that that's what we've been seeing when he's at, when he's at Tottenham. Mm. Um, and so, like, I, yeah, I, I do believe that if Conte builds a side, that is, you know, one of its main functions will be to feed the ball into the box. Then I think Kane is going to be the main beneficiary of yeah. that. I think Son will also benefit from it um but i do believe kane will be the biggest beneficiary yeah if that is and conte has already talked about that final ball um i i, I just think kane will will benefit from that I, i'm quite happy with with kane and my team and if it doesn't work out i move him to another. yeah i i'd completely agree with you there and i think the one if we if if i was to make a case for son very quickly over kane um it would be that what we've mentioned there is there is a factor here before Kane becomes a great option. And that is, can Conte create a side quickly enough to get the ball at his feet yeah. in the right areas? So, some some would yeah. say that he could probably hopefully do that quite quickly, but it is a risk because we haven't seen it so far this season. Whereas Son is a ready-made, ready-baked, yeah. ready-to-go asset that we know is scoring points. We know that no matter how Spurs are playing, he will get the yeah, ball and he will make things happen. Whereas Kane sometimes will need the system to be working to his favour to to get those points or to get a, a significant proportion of the points anyway. I agree with that. I do think that Sun is more capable of making things happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think because he's 10.3, he's a little bit cheaper and he gets the extra point for the goal and obviously sits really well on the bonus point system as well. Any goal, and he's usually in the top two or three for bonus points automatically in any given game. There is definitely a case to be made that Son is 
the stronger pick. But I think yeah. I think just yeah. just based on the fact as well that Kane's price point lends you to Ronaldo in game week sixteen, I, I think that probably just about swings it at the yeah. moment. But I I was just reflecting. I think the reason I'm talking about team structure and, and ownership and stuff like that is because I actually think look, we don't know how this is gonna turn out. Mm. Like we 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 don't know that. And and actually Son or Kane, to be honest, as much as we can kind of analyze Conte's style of play or what he's done before or what we think is gonna happen, I really I, I actually think this Son or Kane debate is actually just a gut is a gut call definitely on what you you know and that's why I'm talking about structure because then I'm thinking, okay, well, what would be what would be the better move for me? Or like, do I think there's value there? Do I, and actually, ultimately, I think it's just a gut call. Who do you feel more comfortable with, or who do you think might score more points uh, than the other one? I, I don't think there's necessarily a, a puzzle that is going to be solved yeah. before landing on one of these. I think it's a gut call and a call that you make dependent on your playing style and dependent on your team. Hmm. I don't think there's a puzzle that can be solved until we see more games under Conte. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think the pr- the problem is a lot of people will want to jump now. So I think yeah. if because, because there are so many factors we don't know, it is a gut call. So go with your gut first and foremost. But if there's a yeah. move that will ruin your season less i.e you don't you won't need to take minus fours minus eights to get yourself back out of it if it goes wrong go for that one because you want you want to control the controllables right you don't want to just be taking meaningless risks because you just favor son over kane or just favor kane over son do the one that that favors your team structure and will leave you in less of a situation in four weeks when you inevitably have to move them back out um yeah. But if your gut is strongly saying one way or the other, go, go with that. Um, yeah. Before we move on to my watch list, because you, you did um, analyse each of these players already at the, at the top of the watch list. Um, but one very easy comparison to make here is between Gallagher and Smith Rowe. And I think a lot of, a, a lot of uh, Playmaker users are doing this exact comparison this week. Gallagher obviously has the more points, just about. Same amount of goals, better XG more assists and better XA. So on paper, it's it's Gallagher, but Smithrow is outperforming all of his underlying metrics and has done all season and is in, I, I suppose, arguably the historically better side, the stronger, the stronger team, but has worse fixtures on the horizon. So where where do you see, I, I suppose you've put Gallagher ahead of Smithrow, but do you think it's... Uh, a, a close call, or are you fairly confident in saying Gallagher places ahead of uh, Smith Rowe at the moment? I, I'm actually quite confident in saying, on an individual basis, so excluding the teams Arsenal, Palace, uh, I think Gallagher as an individual does rank above Smith Rowe as a fantasy asset. Um, I just brought our playmaker next to me as well, and just also looking at goal attempts. Mm. It's 23 goal attempts for Gallagher compared to 16 for Smith-Rowe. 38.1 minutes per attempt for Gallagher. 55.8 for Smith-Rowe. Yeah. Um, obviously, we have the XG up there. It's 4.35 versus 1.75. I just think from a goal threat perspective, Gallagher is clear. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not. it's not... It's not by miles and miles and miles, 
but I do think he's clear. Yeah, I, I'd say the same thing. I, I prefer Gallagher as an asset at the moment, and it's not to say Smith Rowe is a bad one, but I, no, no, not at all. I, if you own either of them, st- stick with them by all means. But it, as a non-owner of both at the moment, as as with you as well, Gallagher for me stick sticks out as the better pick overall, and yeah. especially with Smith Rowe's upcoming fixtures. I think Gallagher makes more logical sense to be jumping on. Um, but yeah, but Smith Rowe at 5.8 yeah, is I just, I just looked at the, at the XCI as well per appearance. Mm. Um, 0.68 for Gallagher's 0.3 ah, well, for Smith Rowe. So go. double the XGI there per appearance for Gallagher. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that that uh, sums it up quite nicely. Um for for this section um it guys before we move on as well to my watch list please do let us know who you prefer out of Kane and Son and who you prefer out of Gallagher and Smithrow I think those were the two main topics we just spoke about in the comments let us know um and we'll have a little chat about it as per usual um but unless you want to go over Foden or Chilwell at length any more than you have done already nope okay let's let's move on to my watch list where as you will see there are a few overlapping players, so we won't go into them again. The first overlapping player is Son, then Foden and Gallagher make up my top five. The two new players are two players that you've got, so you might want to glow a little bit. Um, but that's uh, <laughs> well, you're still ahead of me, yeah, so true. I can't. Glow <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, so I've got Jota right at the top of my watch list, and then Kane also makes my watch list, who we've spoken about a bit already as well. So I think the first and most important player to talk about now is probably Diogo Jota. Um, now, the key thing for anyone who doesn't already know it, um, first of all, where have you been? Um, it's been all over the news. Firmino looks like he's got a pretty major hamstring issue and that will keep him out for at least a month. I think that's correct at, at time of recording. So it looks for all the world like we've all got our dream of a nailed Diogo Jota in a Liverpool side over quite a congested fixture period, um, which considering his underlying XG and XA, not even just this season, but historically as well, should be a dream come true at just 7.5 million. So as a as a current owner, do, do you have any reason why I shouldn't be prioritising bringing him in or owners everywhere or non-owners everywhere should be looking at getting him in as quickly as possible? No, I don't think so. I mean, I went uh, again. There's another occasion where I went early and it didn't pay off. For yeah. Me. So the two, the the figures, the two that you have on your watch list that I already own, they've they've been useless to me while I have owned them. <laughs> so you're not late on them. Yeah. Is what I would say. So no one is late on Jota. No one is late on Kane. True. Um. So yeah, I would definitely still consider him. Um. I I again, I think it's uh, he's an incredibly frustrating player to own. Um. Mm-hmm. You know, he's one of those. Actually, he's a bit like Salah a few seasons ago. As I remember when Salah was also uh, frustrating in the same way, where there was multiple chances um, and it didn't, they didn't quite convert as many as he should. Um, but the, you know the underlying stats will be good if he's playing. You just got to hope that the points convert as well. Um, and I don't think that that frustration is is for everyone. Um, and also, it it just all depends on your setup as well, and also how long you're looking because you know Firmino out from we don't know even if it is a month um you know do do you want Jota 
in your side for those fixtures. I mean, the fixtures are okay, yeah. but it is Liverpool, the best attacking side in the league. Um, so, no, I think... Uh, I don't have an argument against it. I do think he's a great buy right now. I mean, 7.5 midfielder out of position for the best attacking side mm. in the league, and he's going to play most games. I mean, even more than he would with Firmino out, probably every game. Yeah, yeah I, I think it's... Uh, I think you nailed it in the first sentence. It is, it's like, I don't think it's a no-brainer, but it's it's a risk that is a pretty solid one to take, right? Yeah. Um, there's very limited downside to getting Jota into your team. Mm. I would say, especially now he, like you say, he should be nailed. I think when you've got the problem that he is a little bit wasteful and he's not necessarily nailed, it's enough to put off quite a lot of people. But now you've removed one of those factors it's it's a lot easier to take the the wastefulness on the chin. Um, okay, the one main question I suppose I had for you and for our listeners as well, if they wanted to get involved in the comments, is have I got my watch list in, in the correct order here? Like I've put Jota at the top, but then Son yeah. and Foden are obviously equally, or if not more, like popular picks at the moment and, and should be maybe considered as... A more a higher priority for me so out of those three midfielders yeah. all relatively in the same sort of price bracket obviously son's a bit more expensive yeah. but if, if like me you don't have any of them who who out of those three would you be trying to cram I, in at all at all costs this week yeah i i think i would still have a tottenham asset as top of my i i think i would still prioritize tottenham over Jota. So you think Son over Jota? Yeah. Yeah. But then I would keep Jota Foden, mm. I think. Okay. Um, because I, yeah, I think he's a great asset at that price um, and with the current circumstances. But I still think I would prioritise fixtures first. Mm. I think the what, one option to me and, and I suppose to all non-owners at the moment of Son and Jota is Son's got the immediate great fixture against Leeds. Whereas Jota, you could you could wait a week, and I know that's yeah. that's painful because every week you wait, you're one week closer to Firmino coming back and therefore losing yeah. the benefit yeah, yeah, of him. Yeah. But exactly, I think you and could that was wait actually one. What made me jump last week. Mm. That's what made me jump on Jota last week was exactly that. It was one one extra week without the threat of Firmino yeah. over him. Yeah, there was one less week until he back which is why i went early mm. so i think that line of thought that you just said also makes sense yeah in that case i think that's probably solidified what i think i'm going to prioritize i think son's probably actually a better shout to have as the first priority or at least a Tottenham asset if i if i was to go kane over son um okay um well i think we've probably gone through all of these players at length now um as a reminder for any any podcast listeners the order I w- in which i've put it in at the moment is Jota, then Son, Kane, Foden, then Gallagher. So as you know, we've we've gone through most of them so far anyway. So what we'll do now is move on to your concerns, Neil. Um, and if, again, if you just want to list them out for the listeners on the podcast first. Yeah, so in order, my biggest concerns right now are Tony, Envoimo, Trossard, Diaz, and Brownhill. Um yeah, Tony and Embuemo, like I said, I watched the Brentford game. Um, second week in a row, they, they haven't really done anything against, kind of say, the lower 
lower sides in the league. Um, so that is a concern. Yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sell them ahead of Newcastle. I'll just straight out say that, even though they're the, the first two on my list, I'm not considering selling them. Um, even with a potential new manager bounce for us, um, I'm yeah, I don't think anyhow of the greatest defensive record. Um, so I'm not going to sell Tony or Emboimo this week, even though they are firmly on their last kind of chance. Last warning. I would say, yeah. In my t- yeah, they're on their last warning. Mm. Uh, and I put Tony above Emboimo simply because I think um, Emboimo still offers great value, a, a better value than, than Tony does. And with the lack of strikers able to score any goals, uh, or FPL points in a Premier League, Tony Tony comes up first as uh, the concern. Um, and that's also why Brownhill features fifth on my list. Uh, you know, why is a budget midfielder a concern for me? Well, it's because I am starting to think about moving away from three strikers potentially to two. Um, and as you saw on my watch list, it was full of midfielders. So I think kind of looking at the players I'm interested in right now, it, it really is kind of, pushing me towards packing my packing my midfield. Um, so that's why Brownhill also features on my concerns. And then the other two I've got in there, Trossard and Diaz. I, I'm actually a little unsure on both of them. They're, they're more they're more on my concerns because it, it could be more like a list of confusion regarding <laughs> those two. Um, I, I really don't know. I really don't know if I like them or not. Like it is where I'm at. I mean Trossard has, has done amazing for me the last two weeks. Uh, yeah, he's only surely earned, I'm, yeah, he's earned a little bit. Of yeah, yeah, way, I'm, I'm, just, I'm confused because he was only meant to be a one-week punt. I know he's got like back-to-back double-digit returns mm. playing as a number nine. Then he was taking penalties in the last game. Yeah. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't what I expected. Um, I don't think necessarily any of those things are going to continue, though. So that's, that's why he's on the list because uh, you've got to watch out for those things, but I mean, he's a great differential. I mean, he scored the most. He scored the most points on the list of my concerns there, which was uh, eye opener for me. Um, the only other thing I would say about him is in my current setup, which we'll see in a second. He's second on my bench, and he costs six and a half yeah, million. Yeah, that's quite a lot. Yeah, and and like that. That's what I don't like about him is I've got a six point five million midfielder second on my bench because I don't trust him in every game and I feel like I've got better options and then if you consider the Embuemos, the ESRs, the Gallaghers at nearly a million cheaper it, it it doesn't feel like great value it doesn't feel like a great fit for my team but there's no denying he's a great great asset right now actually um so yeah he's a he's more of a uh, he's someone who's confusing me he'll survive this week but he'll probably be on my bench um I haven't quite decided yet uh, and then Diaz, like, um, you know, I, I spoke last week about how it's not my style of play to have an expensive centre-back. I don't know why I did it. Uh, I, I'm slowly remembering why I did do it. Um, Clean sheets will do that. Which is because City, <laughs> yeah, City are comfortably the best defence in the league. Yeah. Um, and I've also spoken out a lot about Chelsea's defence. I don't think it's a solid... Um, as it as it has appeared on the kind of high level numbers, yeah. Um, so if you have to own two Chelsea defenders to benefit from a clean sheet, then maybe there is something in looking for an opportunity away from that. 
and I'm now after the last few weeks and also watching the highlights again, I'm quite certain I own the best Chelsea defensive asset in Reese James. Mm. Um, I, I do think he's clear of Chilwell. Um, I, I'm quite certain of that. Uh, so if I feel like I own the best asset, um, and also I've seen a lot of people selling Diaz this week. Yeah, um, not sure and, about that. No, and and so that's kind of influenced me to perhaps keep him and go with a double City defence versus the double Chelsea defence. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of playing around with that idea. So I, I, I want to sit on it a little bit longer um, before I make the decision on it. But he remains on my list of concerns because, yeah, he isn't my normal type of player. But I have warmed to potentially seeing an opportunity, especially coming up to, say, a busy Christmas period. And you'd expect Diaz still to form the backbone of that side and still to play the majority of the games. Um, so there's something I do like more about him yeah. uh, now than I did say last week. But yeah, he's still a concern. Okay, so I'm going to very quickly um, sell why I think Diaz is a great option. And I think just the, yeah. the short-term fixtures here are clouding our judgment in terms of the colour of those mm. fixtures on the ticker in front of us here. Exactly. I'm going to read yeah. out Chelsea's fixtures over the Christmas period. Uh, not Chelsea's, Man City's. Um, Everton, then West Ham, Villa. The, that's the grey, red, grey that you see ahead of you there. I would argue they could quite comfortably keep two clean sheets out of three yeah. in that. The third, West Ham, is a fairly difficult one, but if anyone can, City can. Then we go Watford, Wolves, Leeds, Newcastle, Leicester, Brentford, and then Arsenal in on, on the 1st of January in the new year. So all the way through the Christmas period, I don't think you'll find, um, possibly other than Man United, but we don't trust their defence. I think that's fair. Yeah you're not going to find any better fixtures than that. And I think doubling up on a City defence ahead of yeah. that fixture turn, in a like I've, I think I mentioned on the show before, the fixture list becomes very congested. And Diaz, out of any of the Man City assets, is going to be the one who's yeah. least likely to get rotated often. I, I think everyone will at least once, so I will say that. But if anyone's only going to succumb to it once, it will probably be Diaz. And it also looks like Chilwell, uh, not Chilwell, Cancelo has not only enough upside to accompany him over that Christmas period, but also looks very nailed himself as well anyway. So I would say the double up is well worth doing when you look at those fixtures coming, even without necessarily any sort of attacking returns for Diaz. Whereas Chelsea, we know they like to rotate anyway. And Alonso is a pretty able deputy to Chilwell. I think if you had two Chelsea assets, it would be James and Chilwell at this point. Whether or not you go Chilwell or Diaz is kind of a coin flip, but I quite like being on Diaz already and knowing that they've got those fixtures coming. I think we're in for 60 or 70% of those matches being clean sheets, and I'd very happily take yeah. that to the bank over Christmas. Um, yeah. Where teams tend to try and set up a bit more defensively, they tend not to go for the throat and conserve a little bit more energy. And I could. I'm not. I'm not saying don't have Chilwell or James, but I, what I am saying is they might not be quite so uh, explosive going forwards after like the 60, 70th minute mark, in the hope of conserving a bit of energy and being fit for the next game if they're already in a fairly comfortable yeah. position. Whereas Diaz isn't going to have that problem 
like it's it's just based on the clean sheet alone um but anyway we, yeah. we've probably spent too long on Diaz anyway um uh because there's an overlap in our concerns i'm gonna s- switch the screen over and again the concerns for me both include uh the the brentford boys which is in Bremo and tony i've got it in a different order though so um, I'll quickly run through my five concerns, which are Mount, Vardy, and then Embuemo, Tony, and then finally Antonio. Let's start off, though, with the Brentford assets, um, because you mentioned earlier who you think out of the two would stay if given the choice. Um, but I would probably go the other way. I'd probably prefer to keep Tony. Personally, I, I really like the underlying numbers. I think he's been unfortunate not to have accumulated more XG and goals as well. He's had a number of goals chalked off for offside, which I think we say every single week at the moment, but it is still yeah. true. And he is a very creative player. He's one of the top in XG, XA in the entire league still. And I think he has been pr- pretty unfortunate not to get a few more points he ha- than he has. And like you say, you're using the argument that forwards are disappointing generally at the moment to, as an argument to like, hop off forwards altogether but i would say if you're not convinced you want to move away from three forwards tony is probably the perfect third forward to have yeah because he is still quite cheap he is on penalty so he will get the odd goal even if he's not performing and and i just i just think he has been really unfortunate he's got an accumulated xgi as you can see on screen of comfortably over six and he's only got four returns. Oh no, not comfortably over six, six exactly, actually. Um, and he's only got four returns. So he has been unlucky. He should be getting a goal or assist every other game. And the fixtures aren't terrible coming. They're not great. Um, so I'm not, I, they're, they're not as concerning for me as I think they are for you. Although I think another blank against Newcastle this weekend, every blank, they, they start going into the dangerous territory of being like, Adama Traore kind of kind of slot where it's yeah. like they're just never going to hit the target. Um, but are, are yeah. you confident in saying Mbuemo is uh, the better asset in Tony, or uh, would would you be fairly fifty fifty on the two at the moment? I am fairly fifty fifty because I think you make another good point in terms of like what would you do with your strikers? Because if you think about it, if you do want you know a midfield five and you want a Foden and a Son and a Salah and then two cheapies. You're probably not going to get away with having Kane and Antonio up front yeah. with with Trent, Cancelo, and Chilwell or Diaz at the back as well, right? So you probably are going to have to have someone around the Tony price point. So I think your argument makes sense, even if you are looking to move away to two strikers, mm. that you would probably need a player around his price range in there. Um and Adam Armstrong has been a, also another thorn in my side this season, so I'm a little reluctant to to go back there again. Um, so I would still say maybe Tony, you know, Tony might survive in my team even with a change of formation. Um, so yeah, I don't disagree with what with what you're saying for sure. And I think that yeah, three strikers or two strikers, there's still an argument to be made that he is the best budget striker in the game. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I, I suppose time will tell and we can revisit after um, the Newcastle game. Um, 
So I guess we'll have to wait and see. We picked them for three or four fixtures and we've still got one of them to go. So we're along for the ride now. I'm not going to sell them ahead of the last of the really good fixtures. So let, I guess let's just wait and see on that. Um, I'll run through quickly my reasoning behind Mount and Vardy because I think it's pretty obvious. But Mount, obviously, there are loads of different options around that sort of price point. And if I want to move up to from Mount to Son, for instance then I'm going to have to make cash somewhere, which brings me on to Vardy as well and need it, needing to take some money out of the forward line. But Mount obviously um, had the, the tooth in, uh, tooth infection, was it? Or he had... He had um, yeah, wisdom, wisdom teeth. teeth uh, that was it, it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's a hilarious video going along um, yeah. with him gas, gassed up um, after, after the yeah. procedure. So if you haven't seen that, check that out. Um, but I, th- I think there are just more explosive options around and he's not <clears> obviously completely guaranteed to start after that at the moment so he is a priority with so many other options in and around that price point Vardy like I mentioned it's more about the money I need to move to a Tottenham asset than anything else I am a little bit miffed that he hasn't scored or gotten anything in the last three games but I think that's a slightly to do with variance more than anything seven goals previous to that and he has got four in his last six anyway it just happens that those were front loaded in the first three of those six and i've not benefited from him at all um which is very frustrating but these things can happen um he does if anyone wanted to be a bit differential he does have some great fixtures coming after chelsea this week so um i wouldn't blame anyone for sticking on him but i i'm a bit fed up and uh i have obviously prioritized tottenham assets um or foden or jota as well so i need some money and then finally, the last uh, the last one is Antonio, who um, I personally like. I, I don't think I'm too uh, too keen on selling him right now, given um, how threatening he's looked despite not returning recently. And like you've said, none of the forwards are returning. So where am I even going to go after Antonio? There's yeah. not really anyone that's grabbing my interest over Antonio at the moment. So even though he is a concern with those fixtures coming, I I think personally, I'm probably willing to ride it out over the next four or five. And then West Ham's fixtures become very positive. Um, Is is that something you'd agree with? Yeah, I I don't have any plans to sell him. I mean, he's also playing for an attacking side. They've scored seven goals in, in two games. And yes, he didn't have any involvement in them. But he was probably quite unlucky not to, especially in the the first of those two games. Um, he was the assist of the assister, I believe, twice yes. at least. Um, so uh, you know, I'd be worried if he wasn't getting anything and West Ham weren't scoring any goals. I mean, that would be more worrying for me than if they're scoring seven in two games, um, and he's not done anything. Um, so playing for an attacking side, yes, the fixtures are getting tough, but you know, Antonio could score against anyone. Um, and has we've done also a lot yeah. and has done yeah. um and we've built up value I, in, in a way i almost think he's better in those games mm. um we've also built up value in him and then we might want him back for when they do get strong fixtures which isn't that far off anyway like you said who are you going to sell him for um so yeah i think sure it's a little worrying that he's not hitting the form that he was right at the beginning of the season but i mean we also all knew that that wasn't sustainable um the way he started the season but he's is he still going to be a great option over the season for the price he is absolutely 
Um, so no, for me, I'm, I'm not thinking of selling. Okay, well, I think that we're pretty aligned on that in that case. So um, I think we can wrap up our concerns for this week. Um, if guys, we haven't mentioned one of your concerns in your team, but you want some opinions on it, again, just leave us a comment and we'll get back to you uh, definitely before the deadline. We've got plenty of time to get back to everyone. So please do comment. Um, the last main section of the show is on the captaincy debate, which again, on face value, I don't think we'll be spending too long on, but is there an argument to look elsewhere other than Salah this week, potentially? Um, a couple of weeks ago, I said it wasn't rank dependent whether you captain Salah or not, and that even if you're at a million, you shouldn't try and be too clever. You should just go with the player that was clearly in form above every other player in the league, and that you shouldn't be looking to be too clever on that to to make up ground. I would now say that this could be a week where that might not be the case. And maybe if I was sitting at a million or, or million plus, I would consider Ronaldo, Son or Kane. I don't think Salah is quite at the levels, at least in the last couple of games, that he was showing us before. Arsenal have been better defensively. Um, so I don't think... I do think you could consider someone else, especially if you want to make up some ground. In saying all of that, I think Salah is the best captaincy option this week, and I will captain Salah. Yeah. Um, but I do think that, sure, like don't be close-minded. And maybe it's a week where you could make up some ground. I think the Tottenham guys or Ronaldo could do well this week. Um, and it could be a week where you could make up some ground potentially. Mm. Um, so I've changed my mind a little bit on is he absolutely untouchable right now? I don't think he's absolutely untouchable, but I think it would still take a brave person to, to go against him this week. Yeah, still. I'd agree with that. I think given the information we've gotten so far this season and the context behind going against captaining Salah right now, um, I, I'm I'm not going anywhere from Salah at the moment. And I probably won't next week either when they go up against Southampton. Um that I think what I would say, uh, just a quick point, is if we were playing from a blank slate this season and we had we hadn't got the last eleven game weeks of information that we now have in our locker, on the face of it, Ronaldo against Watford is a better captaincy shout than Salah against Arsenal. It, it like I I don't think too many people would have argued that case against that case at the start of the season. So I can understand why anyone who does have Ronaldo would be considering captaining him over Salah this week. But I think given the information that we've gotten so far this season, how strong Salah has been and how strong Liverpool have been going forward, I don't think that they'll necessarily struggle against any defence. As we know, they didn't even struggle against Man City to break them down. And they're, yeah, they're the best true. defence yeah. in the league by a margin. So Salah against Arsenal shouldn't be necessarily a massive problem for him and given his ownership and the fact that I'm not convinced that anyone else is a better captaincy shout anyway it's Salah all day long for me personally um, but again let us know in the comments who you're who you're picking if you're going for someone different uh, we always like seeing that as well um, our last section of the show is our team planner so Neil um, obviously you ran through your whole team at the start of the show but uh, what moves are you looking at making yeah. to your lineup this week, if any. 
yeah, none. That's what I was hinting Interesting. at Interesting, okay. Um, I didn't, yeah, yeah. I Like, because everyone on my watch list, everyone on my concerns, I was kind of saying, not this week, not this week. I don't think it's going to be this mm -hmm. week. Um, so I think when I also have a bench of Livermento, like, uh, Trossard is second on my bench right now, Livermento is first. Um, not tempted to start Livermento against Norwich? Yeah, I am, but... I don't know who yeah. for. I don't know who There's for. There's no one there actually that stands out. Of... No, I, 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 I'm happy to. I, you know, with, like you said, we've gone all in on Embuemo and Tony now anyway, so I may as well give them this last yeah. hurrah. Um, so I'm playing both of those. You've got to. Um, You've just got to. Yeah. So I'm, I'm choosing to play James Cancelo, Trent, and Diaz at the back. Jota, Salah, Embuemo midfield. Tony Kane, Antonio, Livermento, Trossard, Brownhill on the bench. Um. But I, I would say the main reason why I'm rolling a transfer is because I'm a little unsure what I want to do. Like I said, I had some doubts over, you know, maybe double City defense is better than double Chelsea. You know, maybe I do want Sun, and the only way to get Sun is I'm going to have to do something in in more than one move. Um, you know, maybe I do want to get rid of Embuemo and Tony, but I don't want to do it this week. Um, maybe Trossard will leave eventually. Um, so I have a lot of things kind of on my mind, but I'm not certain of any of them. And I think another week of information, another week of watching Tottenham, um, would be good for me. Yeah. Um, so I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to sit tight. Um, especially when I have Livermento and Trossard deep on my bench, I think it's a week where I can get away with saving a transfer and, and coming back to it next week. Okay, cool. Well, that look, looks like a very strong lineup to me. And if you've got Livermento first bench as well, that's the perfect insurance policy. So yeah, I'm, I'm fully yeah. convinced you'll be getting some decent points this week. Um, this is my team. And at the moment, because I, I can't pick, I don't know how Rafinha's ended up on my bench. Yeah. Um, but I, I also don't want Livermento on my bench. So at the moment, I've got five at the back, um, including double City defence and Livermento. Um, Salah and Mbuemo are the two survivors in midfield. Um, and then I've currently got Antonio Vardy and Tony up front. I don't expect to be going into the game week like this. I actually expect to be selling Vardy and Mount, almost certainly. Um, I just haven't quite decided which strategy I'm going to go for yet. Um, it was either looking at Jota um, and trying to work out a double move there or potentially even just a single move mount for Jota and then um, focus focus on Tottenham next week. But I think you are correct that we should be trying to take advantage of the Spurs fixture change now. And therefore, I think the sensible move might be to go Vardy and Mount across to Son and uh, a cheap striker, probably just a 4.5. Or if, if I yeah. fancy it, I could go uh, Brozier. But I've checked the team planner over the next like five or six weeks and I'd be benching Brozier in every single one of them. So it's almost like what what's yeah. the point? I might as well just save the money. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's my conundrum at the moment. I don't know whether or not. But then you would have a brown. Then you would have a brown hill and a four point five strike on your bench. Uh, oh, sorry, 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 sorry. I'm being silly. I'm being very silly. I I did change my mind. Um, what 
what I'm actually doing, very well corrected, Neil, would have been Vardy and Brownhill, not Vardy and Mount the first week. And then the second week, okay. sorry, okay. I, I, yeah. I'm mixing up two strategies here. It would be Vardy yeah. and Brownhill out this week for um, Son and a 4.5 striker. And then next week, it would be Mount to Jota. That yeah, would be okay. the strategy. Yeah. And I think that's my favourite at the moment. Um, it's just whether or not I get yeah. really tempted by just doing Jota this week as well. Um, but yeah, I think that's the that's the move. Um, I really don't like seeing Rafinha on my bench, but someone's got to be on my bench. And I, <laughs> the only other candidate that I'm really convinced could replace him is possibly one of the Brentford assets, which we've already said we might as well. We're along for the ride now. And then... Um, and then it's Antonio as well, who could score against anyone. So I'm in a proper conundrum this week. Um, so yeah, it'll go down to the wire. But uh, obviously, as always, both Neil and myself will be posting our final team plans, our, our, our setups for the week on Playmaker prior to the deadline. Um, and, on, and on Twitter probably as well. Uh, we'll link to our post on Playmaker as per usual. Um, Neil, is there anything else uh, you wanted to say or go through before we completely wrap up the show this week? No, I don't think so. Other than uh, thanks to everyone for, for watching and listening. Yeah. And good luck this game. Yeah, absolutely. I echo both of those thoughts. Thank you so much. If you're still watching, we really appreciate you uh, for joining us all the way through. Um, if you are still here, we'd again really appreciate it. If you did, leave a like on the video or subscribe to the channel just so you never miss another video. Um, my game week preview will be coming out at the end, uh, well, at, on Thursday, I think, this week. Uh, so keep an eye out for that as well, where we really will uh, wrap up the week and build up to game week 12. So look out for that. But uh, in the meantime, like Neil said, it's been a pleasure being along for the ride for the game week 12 uh, playbook episode. But for now, it's a goodbye from me. Goodbye, everyone. Bye, guys.